So uh, the topic uh, of today's discussion is is prayer. Uh, we're going to try to do really a lot, uh, uh, an entire overview of the whole idea of prayer, uh, because as we'll see, there's some um, there's some philosophical problems with the with prayer. I will go through them, uh, but also some of the more practical themes. You know, what do we need to do to get our prayers answered? How do we maximize this tremendous power? How do we harness this power that could literally change the world? Uh, and how do we use it to our advantage? You know, we all have things that we want, that we need. Uh, we want health. <clears throat> we want good relationships. Uh, we want professional career success. Uh, you know, we want to have good days. And, you know, we want we want, we want so many different things. And uh, we have the Almighty who we could talk to. And we could pray and ask for all our needs. Uh, but how are we going to make sure that we go through life uh, using uh, this tremendous potential uh, to the maximum? Now, we know uh, prayer is obviously a very central core uh, and fundamental uh, aspect of Jewish practice. Uh, as we know, uh, we mentioned this in the past three classes, uh, or this class and the previous two, uh, that the world, according to the Mishnah, in the book of the chapters of the fathers, the world is supported on three pillars. On on Torah, on uh, Avoda. Avoda means uh, uh, work or service, uh, which means prayer. Uh, and lastly, on Chesed, on kindness. And if you all remember, the, pre- the previous two classes, we talked about Torah. Ten reasons, which ended up being 17 reasons why we studied Torah. Uh, and kindness, and how the kindness is going to open up tremendous uh, channels of growth uh, and greatness in our lives, in many areas, in, in marriages, in, in, uh, in leadership, etc. Today, we're going to discuss the last, uh, the third of, 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 these, of this triumvirate that upholds the world. So, so these are like kind of, the, if you were to say the three, perhaps the three core concepts of Judaism, at least in Jewish practice, Perhaps, according to this Mishnah, these will be the three. Torah, worship of God, which means prayer, and loving kindness, uh, interpersonal kindness, uh, uh, being uh, benevolent and doing chesed. So, so it's very central, and, and this is completion of the trifecta. But uh, as we'll see, there's some major problems uh, with prayer. Uh, let, let's start with, uh, with the, I would say, maybe the easy, uh, yeah, good question that we could ask. So what, what's prayer? So I want to have health. I want to have prosperity. I want to have success. I want to make a sales call. Uh, you know, anything that I want to accomplish. And I say, you know what? I want the Almighty's help as well. So what do you do? You put in a good word. You pray. Now, how do you pray? So there's a few ways to pray. You could go to get a prayer book. You put on, you know, the weird prayer clothing and you put on the kippah. You try to put it on nicely. And you try to, you know, you try to break your teeth in Hebrew. And try to find the appropriate prayer and, and that. You know, I had a, a student of mine that uh, sent me this uh, terrible, like this text saying, Rabbi, I feel so bad. It's terrible. I, I, I'm still so guilty. I can't believe I did it. She, by mistake, when she was driving, she hit a bird and uh, presumed dead. And she's an animal lover, and she can't imagine she is. She said, Rabbi, what is the prayer for birds that I could say? Well, like, what's the bird prayer? You know? So there's one way, that's one way of going about doing it. Uh, you know, just looking for the appropriate prayer. And, and most of us uh, associate prayer with 
a synagogue, a set location, uh, a set format, uh, perhaps in a foreign language like Hebrew, uh, with special clothing, you know, on special occasions. That's how we associate prayer. One of the goals of today's class is introduce an entire different viewpoint on prayer, where it's not contingent on location, it's not contingent on language. In fact, it's best done in a language that you are most familiar with, uh, i.e. probably most of us will be English, uh, or whatever our first language is, whatever language we feel most comfortable with, and talking to the Almighty. So, so either way, you're either talking to the Almighty in the common language, or you're talking to the Almighty in, in prayer. But prayer has to be verbal. Uh, we can't think prayers. And question is, wait a minute. The Almighty knows our thoughts. The Almighty knows our needs. Why, why do we have to have the middleman or the middle activity to bring about the desired end? Let's just, you know, think what we need. Or the Almighty should, you know, uh, it should be more predictive. The Almighty should just uh, figure out, oh, well, uh, you know, uh, Steve, he needs this. Or, you know, John needs that. Or Bernie needs this. Or Noel needs that, Right. The Almighty knows what we need. Why do we need to ask him for it? Let him just, you know, make it easier. It's like subscribe and save from Amazon, you know? You get it before you know you need it. Why do we have to verbalize prayer? That's, I think, a, a, good, a, good, place, a good place to start. Prayer has to be verbal. It doesn't have to be audible. You don't have to hear your prayers, but you have to at least speak them. You have to verbalize them. You have to communicate them in a verbal fashion. Why? The Almighty knows what we need. The Almighty knows our thoughts. Mazal tov. Let's just simplify, cut out the middleman, make it more seamless. That's a, a good question I think we should, we should ask, uh, maybe uh, to, to get started. What do y'all say? Y'all like the question? Yes. Let's move on to question number two. <clears throat> so let's yeah. say someone's sick. God forbid someone's sick. I don't know. They, um, they have heart troubles or they have, God forbid, cancer, or they have the flu, or whatever. Someone's sick. And we open up the prayer book, and there's a special prayer, a prayer for sick people. So what do we do? We get together, let's pray, let's say some Tehillim, let's say some Psalms, let's pray for the sick person. That's the Jewish response to, to you know, to, to pain, to suffering, to, to danger, uh, and to illness. You pray. Okay, fantastic. Send up the doctor as well. I'm sorry? Mishabayrach, exactly. You do the Mishabayrach, you pray. Okay, but if someone is sick, I, I'm going to say a question, you guys don't have to like the question, but we'll answer it, so it won't be as bad. Who made them sick? Someone's sick. Who made them sick? The Almighty made them sick. And does the Almighty have their best interests at heart? Absolutely. Called Avid Rahmana Letav Avid. Everything the Almighty does is for the best. So if the Almighty decided to make him sick, and the Almighty is maybe doing it for his whatever reason why, but it's the Almighty made that decision. Who are we to try to intervene and say, you know what? I have a better idea. Why doesn't he get better? I mean, why would, are we trying to meddle in divine affairs in making sure that we, we, we have it our way uh, as opposed to the Almighty's way? You know, the Almighty is doing what he wants, and he gave him a sickness, and sometimes we don't understand why he has a sickness, or why someone has to go through, you know, but when we accept the premise of the Jewish God, who is monitoring and overseeing and ensuring that everyone gets whatever they get, good and bad, or at least perceived good and bad, 
then we have a question. Who are we to try to intervene and try to say that our way is better? I have a better idea. Really? You're telling God you have a better idea? Does that make sense? Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's question number two. I, 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 yeah, go ahead. Why do you assume that the Rabbi, that the Almighty made them sick? Isn't it possible they, um, uh, you know, uh, t- t- touch themselves on their nose when there were germs and uh, got a, got the flu, uh, spread it themselves? Yeah. Okay. So, so that's that's uh, that's. Uh, Is it the same thing? As the, Almighty, the Almighty made them sick, but didn't prevent them from becoming sick. <coughs> That, that's a good point, and and I, and I think, in all fairness, uh, that's 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 it's everything that happens is going to be like probably some sort of mixture of what we do and what and what the Almighty does. And in fact, that's the real answer to the question as well. The real answer to the question is is that we are partners with the Almighty. Humans have special qualities that they share with the Almighty. And no other entities have those qualities. You know, we talk in Genesis, we say uh, that man is created uh, in the image of God. There's some sort of overlap between man and God. And that's a very strange thing because we know that there's no, really, we, we, God is so distant from us, even conceptually, that what does it even mean to say that there's an overlap? But there is some sort of overlap as clearly indicated in the scripture. Uh, but this this uh, arguably is, is the overlap. We're in what happens to us, both good and bad, is a result of half of perhaps, or partially what we do. You know, if I put myself in a dangerous, precarious uh, situation, I might get hurt. You know why? Because the Almighty says, you humans have a say in what happens. You're partners with me. It's not just the Almighty. It's the Almighty plus us. So, you're right. If someone is maybe uh, doesn't take care of their health or doesn't get vaccinations, it's not a shock that they might get some illness. Um, yeah, of course. And but conversely, this is the other insight that the Almighty also partners with us on the flip side. We're in. If someone is sick, okay. Well, what's going to happen to him? What is the fate of this person? Well, it's in the hands of who? It's in the hands of the Almighty. Obviously, the Almighty has the ultimate. Uh, decision maker in life and death, but it's also in our hands. And prayer is the tool that we use to uh, to implement this tremendous power. Like we're on, uh, in some degree, obviously in some small degree, we're on par with the Almighty in deciding the course of actions. A big picture for the entire world, for the Jewish people. Right, it's our world, and we have to make sure that we don't screw it up and we improve it. We have the mission of Tikkun Olam. It's not the Almighty's mission; it's our mission, right? On a big scale and on a little scale, and even on a micro scale. Right? Someone is sick. Okay, you you pray. That's your contribution. Going to the doctor as well is your contribution, and the Almighty will also, uh, you know, uh, uh, chip in. And we can't say, you know what, I'm I'm sick. You know, what I'm gonna do. Let's let the Almighty take care of it. Uh, you know, I, I, I need, I, I need the sustenance for my family. Oh, let the money take care of it. You know, we had this discussion, I know, as uh, in a previous uh, dis- uh, class where we talked about kind of the balance between faith and personal responsibility. But clearly there is some sort of balance wherein a man takes, uh, does his share and, uh, and is assured that the Almighty uh, will also in kind do what's best uh, for that person. But 
this, I think, were to raise the profile of prayer. Prayer is thus a tool. Did I lose you guys? Okay. I still see y'all, y'all's beautiful faces. There's, al- <laughs> There's always uh, some technical. Okay, so we were saying that um, as a result of what Steve brought up, we have a new vision of prayer. Prayer is man partnering with God in deciding what happens in the world. Thus, when someone's sick, well, who's going to decide what's going to be with him? Of course, the Almighty. But with prayer, we're seizing control of this power that's vested in humanity wherein we partake in this dialogue. We have a, say, we have a seat at the table. We're part of the decision-making team, so to speak, of determining what happens with sick person via our prayer. So, excellent, Steve. Thanks for uh, for bringing that up. Uh, okay, so that's point number two. Let's move on to point number three here. Um, kind of the philosophical problems or issues that need to be discussed uh, with with uh, with prayer. So, I don't know about you guys, but uh, if you ever play the lottery, a lot of people play the lottery and they say, "Okay, I'm praying, praying to the Almighty. Let me win. Let me win." I just saw a great story. Actually, I saw. Oh, I saw a great story just last night when I was researching um, <clears throat> about Rabbi Israel Salanter. Rabbi Israel Salanter, a great pivotal character in the Musser movement of the 19th century. So he once had a discussion with someone. So the guy bought a lottery ticket. And he said to Rabbi Salanter, he says, listen, I really have complete faith that this is going to win. So Rabbi Salanter said, if you have 100% faith that this ticket is is going is to win, then the Almighty made sure it happens. Fine. He says, okay, fine. So a few days later, before the drawing, the guy, uh, Rabbi Salanter, came over to him and said to him, listen, that ticket, that winning ticket, would you sell it to me for half the jackpot? Right? So it's a dollar ticket. It's a $100 million uh, jackpot. Would you sell it for $50 million? I said, of course. Of course, who wouldn't sell it for $50 million, right? He says, oh, well, you don't really believe that it's a winner. Because if you believe it's a winner, you would know it's a hundred. It's a hundred million, right? You wouldn't. You wouldn't sell a hundred million for fifty million. Clearly, you don't believe it, so you're not going to win. So you didn't win. That's what. That's a, that's a story. Uh, obviously, it's related to a side issue. But you know, we you, you pray to win the lottery, or I don't know if you've done this as well. But you pray that your sports team wins. I don't know if you guys are big sports fans. You know, like oh, please, you know, you know, please let the Texans win or the Astros or whatever, right? But sometimes, you know, especially in Houston, those prayers go unanswered. You know, what if you pray to, to have success or pray to get that dream job or pray to get that dream girl or dream guy or dream relationship or what, you know, you, you pray and you're sincere about it and you, and you, and you invest time and you invest thought and you, and you seriously talk to God in any one of the prayer modes that you, that you choose and say, God, you know what, I, I really need this, you know, do one for me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm your son. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do what's right. Just help me here. Get, you know, and what happens? You don't get it. 
Prayers unanswered. What's the deal? If the Almighty is there, if the Almighty loves us, if the Almighty listens to our prayers, how come so many prayers go unanswered? What's the deal? Why do we pray? And it seems like we're praying in vain. It seems like we're talking to the wall. You go, you go to the, set, the, 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 the western wall in Israel, and you see lots of people talking to walls or talking re- right near walls. And, and sometimes you have that feeling that prayer is just like that. It's, 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 a, it, you know, it's, a, it's a futile, a futile um, uh, endeavor. You, we're, we're talking, we're praying, and we're asking, we're asking, we're asking, and sometimes we're even sincere, and we don't get what we want. Why are so many prayers unanswered? I think it's also a very important uh, um, point that we have to we have to address. Yes, Noel. I'm sorry, but I didn't actually hear you. But as a parent, our children want things and want things and want things, and you're like, no, because we can see that they're You said easy. No one ever said it was easy. Remember, the word for prayer is avodah, which means work. Clearly, there's it's not an easy thing. However, uh, to bring back Noel's uh, talk to Noel's point, I think you're right to an extent, and I'll explain what I mean. Uh, we have many uh, Talmudic sources and in, in the midrash that talk about the idea of no prayer going unanswered. And that's why when we pray, sometimes we get answered and we, you know, we feel, voila, I prayed and it worked out and it was wonderful. You know, I, before I gave the class here, I said to the Almighty, okay, don't, don't, you know, don't let me screw this up. Let me give it a good class. Let me give it an inspiring class. Let me not forget what I had to say. You know, that's a prayer. And so far, so good, right? So sometimes you're answered right away. Uh, but sometimes it takes five prayers or 500 prayers or 5 million prayers. Uh, but the, the 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 philosophy is that the prayer is not in vain. However, like Noel said, sometimes we're better off getting a no, and sometimes we don't know that because we're like little kids who don't, you know, have the same uh, scope of vision as the adults. And God is the adult in the in the equation, and thus He knows what's best for us, and thus He says to us no, even though we ask, and even though He considers it, we uh, we you know He still says no. And I would say. Uh, as an addendum to your point, Noel, that we talk about the Torah and the various restrictions that we have in the Torah. You open up the book and it says, don't eat this and don't do that and don't do this and don't do this on Shabbat and don't eat this kind of food and don't wear this kind of clothing. And you say, wait a minute, restrictions, restrictions, restrictions. And the truth is that the restrictions are exactly, the Torah restrictions, the purpose of them is exactly like a responsible parent would tell a child, don't eat ice cream with your hands, or, uh, uh, you know, don't run into the street. And the kid doesn't understand, what do you mean? Well, I want to go at the ball, but it's dangerous, you know? All the, the, we view the restrictions in the Torah as God harnessing us, or, or God directing us, 
God, you know, God, uh, 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 ch- channeling us, right? Uh, like a parent. Yeah, go ahead. Restraining, that's the right word. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, however, this is the caveat that I mentioned uh, that I'll say there's a caveat. We find in, uh, in the Torah many episodes of prayer. Um, and we'll go through some of them today. But perhaps the most uh, significant episode of prayer, of, of dialogue, of, of, of a fierce, ferocious prayer is when Moses is praying to be allowed to enter into Israel. Um, God tells Moses, listen, you're not going into Israel. And Moses does everything he could possibly do to try to change that verdict. And um, we know that Moses prayed 515 times to be allowed to go into Israel. 515 times. Uh, the word ve'et chanan, this is in Deuteronomy, right? It's the second session of Deuteronomy. Well, Deuteronomy is, is almost an entire uh, monologue. It's basically, Deuteronomy is, 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 is all happens within, within basically a week. All of Deuteronomy, it's supposed to like Genesis, is, is thousands of years. But Deuteronomy is one speech from Moses. Which, by the way, as an aside, uh, some of the higher Bible criticisms point out that the that the language of Deuteronomy is slightly different than the rest of the of the Torah. They said, "Well, there's a different order." Well, no. If you just read it as it is, this is a transcription of Moses' speech. Thus, this is Moses talking versus the rest of the Torah, where it's God telling Moses what to write, and. Uh, and therefore, if there's a different style or different uh, different grammar or whatever things that they picked up, these little idiosyncrasies or, or slight variations in style from Deuteronomy, that's because maybe that was Moses' style. Whereas the rest of the Torah is just Moses uh, uh, Moses writing down uh, uh, just writing down what God tells him to write, right? Just the dictation of God to Moses. Either way, uh, so Moses at the second section of in this great monologue of Deuteronomy, he he mentions this whole back and forth that he had with God. Uh, and it says, Hashem, and I prayed and I beseeched God. And the numerical value from Ve'et Hanan is 515, where the Midrash and this tremendous, voluminous amount of commentary about this particular uh, prayer, they talk about the, 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 the numerical value of the word Ve'et Hanan, and I beseeched being 515, corresponding to the 515 prayers that Moses did. So Moses, once again, wants to achieve a certain end. What does he do? Moses prays. Fantastic. How many times does he pray? He prays once. What's the answer? No. Prays again. What's the answer? No. Right? A hundred times, still no. Five hundred times, still no. Right? 515 times and then he stops. Why does he stop? Keep on going. <clears throat> the power of 516 prayers is more than 515 prayers. Why would Moses stop when he really wants that? It's a good question, no? Keep on going. You want till now. Why do you stop now? Did Moses get exasperated? Ah, I give up. Too much. Is that what happened? So, so, at some point, you probably just... Okay, maybe. Maybe that's what we would have thought, perhaps, if we didn't know any better. I, I know. I, that's probably what we would have guessed. Okay, Moses, listen, 515... That's a good place to stop. If the mind doesn't give it now, it doesn't give it. 
However, what the Midrash, what the Midrash says is, is something fascinating. God tells Moses, don't pray anymore. Don't pray anymore. Stop here. God's telling me to stop praying? It's like, you know, it's like, it's like the, uh, the principal is letting you cut class, right? God wants us to pray. Well, what's happening? Why is God telling Moses, stop praying? That doesn't make any sense. What's going on? So it continues. God tells Moses, stop at 5.15. Do not go to 5.16. Why? If you go to 5.16, I will have to destroy the world. Why? Why would you have to destroy the world? I would have to take the world and bring it back to the way it was before creation. Chaos and nothingness everywhere. Like, before the Big Bang. That's what it's going to have to be. Why? Why would you have to do that? The answer is because 516 was the point where Moses' prayer would have pushed forth, pushed through any barriers, it, would, it was bound to, to succeed. However, the way God structured the world was that it can only exist with Moses not being in Israel. And that, it relates to Moses being in Israel and then him being the Messiah and then changing the entire course of history. God tells Moses, you have to stay outside of Israel. If you go into Israel, I'll have to rework the entire world. But if you pray, I'll have to do that. Because the prayer is so powerful, even if it's the wrong thing to do, and even if it's detrimental to the entire world, the prayer has the power to push through even when it's bad for you. So thus, Noel, you're right. God has their best interests in mind. Sometimes our prayers can be achieved with one prayer, two prayers, five prayers, a hundred prayers, and sometimes they're bad for us. But our prayers can still change that and change the course of history. Yeah, you know what? If Moses prayed one more time, you know, the world, as we know, will be entirely different. But that's the power of prayer. Prayer can work even to our detriment because that's, it's a tremendous, tremendously uh, powerful and potent tool that we, that we could use. So you're right uh, to an extent. You're right because sometimes God says no and it's no for our best. Sometimes it's no, not yet, and just uh, continue praying. And sometimes, obviously, I don't know if we could mimic the power of, of Moses' prayer. That, that, that's an unanswered question. But there is this idea of prayer not having any limitations, not being bound by any restrictions, and being so powerful that it could push through any resistance, even if that means that you have to reverse everything that happened until now. You have to, you know, do uh, delete and start from scratch. Incredibly powerful idea. Okay, so that's uh, that's why prayers uh, aren't answered. Uh, let's move on to uh, point number four here that I have. We're only halfway through page one. I have five pages, guys. Settle down. Uh, and I haven't asked a question yet. Uh, that's right. What you got there, Bernie? Oh, okay, good. Okay. Question number four. So the history of prayer, we know prayer is a mitzvah in the Torah. Several times in the Torah it says you should serve God. Also, many verses uh, to that effect. Uh, prayer is a mitzvah in the Torah. According to Maimonides, it's a mitzvah to pray every single day. 
Now, how do we pray? So you go to a Siddur, you get a prayer book, and you open the prayer book and you read the prayers. Fantastic. When were the prayers codified? They were codified, if y'all remember, we gave a history class on the men of the Great Assembly, a group, a visionary group of 120 sages that, uh, pr- uh, that created the framework for all Judaism post the se- second, uh, or uh, from the Second Commonwealth and on. So from at the year 350 before the Common Era till now, uh, a lot of what they did and in, in, in creating uniform prayer is one example, uh, but uniform practice in, in Judaism, in absence of, of prophets, in absence of Jews living all concentrated in Israel, they created that uh, a lot of the ordinances that preserve Judaism till today. So they codified prayer. So let's say we live in the times of David. Times of David before Ezra, we don't have canonized prayer. So, if you wanted to pray every day, how do you pray? What do you do? You go to the bookshelf, and you have the scripture, and you have maybe the book of Joshua, the book of Judges, and some other books. You have a lot of Jewish books. Jews were always uh, uh, very uh, keen and fond of, of the written word, but you don't have a prayer book. So, what would people pray uh, beforehand? Uh, that's question number one. But question number two, now post-facto, we have the prayer books. However, if you open it on Monday, it has the prayer. You open it on Tuesday, it has the same prayer. You open up in 1950, it's got the same prayer. You open up in 2015, it's the same prayer. There's a cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all prayer that we all say. Doesn't it seem to be perhaps maybe more effective or more meaningful if we say our own words or if we don't have to, you know, fit what we want to say in a very rigid, uh, pre-selected text for our prayers. So there's a, uh, there's a few questions. So the answer is like this. Um, <clears throat> the prayer as it always was and still is today is about man talking to God and asking God for their needs. Man, when I say man, I mean mankind, obviously. That's what it was. That's what it always was. What happened? Right? There's a mitzvah of the Torah. Pray every day. What does that mean? Every day, talk to God. When do you talk to God? Okay, so you could talk to God maybe in the morning. I could talk to God maybe in later morning, right? Or, or once in the morning, once in the afternoon, once at night, or ten times in the morning. But it wasn't set. It wasn't organized. It wasn't uniform. Right? And people did it because they were more dedicated. You know, the, Jew, the, the Jewish community uh, was much more uh, unified, central authority. Everyone was living together uh, pretty much in Israel. Strong Jewish communities. People didn't neglect the prayers. What happens? You have exile, you have expulsion, now you have the Jews living everywhere. You have people speaking different languages. So you have some guy who's praying half in Greek and half, no one's speaking, the people, no, are still people speaking Hebrew, but Hebrew, for most people, most Jews living in Babylon or living in, you know, in, in, in Europe or North Africa, uh, Hebrew's not their first language. So they're, they're mixing, they're, it's, it, it's, it's a hodgepodge wherein 
it's 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 not organized. People speak, you're praying half in Aramaic and half in 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 Greek and half in Hebrew, and you know, well, that would be three halves. That wouldn't be possible. But th- 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 that was problematic. Therefore, they agreed to uniform uh, uh, to make a uniform prayer in Hebrew that's said by all Jews, and that it be done at set times and set places. However. They didn't change what prayer is really all about. Thus, the best kind of prayer, the most effective kind of prayer, is still the original prayer, or the original mode of prayer, where it's just man talking to God. How? In what language? Where? When? Whenever. In the language that they're most comfortable. Like you talk to your friend. The Almighty can hear us, and the Almighty understands a very good English. Very good. The Almighty is incredibly proficient in English. You don't need to pray in Hebrew. You don't need to wear prayer shawls or anything like that. You talk to God whenever you want. The Almighty hears you whenever you want. The Almighty doesn't just have a, a speakerphone in the temple or in the synagogue or you know in Israel or by the Western Wall. Or The Almighty hears you wherever. Thus, if you're in your car driving to work, and there's no one next to you, you could talk to God, and God hears you. And you could fulfill prayer in its most original, pure form. And perhaps the best form, because then you don't have to try to insert your own feelings into pre-selected words. Use whatever words you want. Talk to God like you would talk to your friend. In, in your car, turn on the radio during commercials, and talk to God. And you're praying. And you'll notice that you're developing an incredible relationship with the Almighty. And it may seem awkward at first, and you may look around, make sure no one's watching. But I was thinking that this is what I thought, that even today, today, you know, it's not a problem. Because even if you're talking to yourself, everyone assumes you have one of those little Bluetooth pieces in your ear. You could just walk around and talk out loud. You know, I, I know there was a guy who used to, when he needed to pray, but he was in, he was in public. So he would go to a uh, phone booth and pick up the phone and hear just the dial tone, but then pray and, you know, say, right? and pray, right? He would do all his prayers, but he would do it on the phone or holding the phone to his ear with the dial tone, and then people wouldn't think he's weird. <clears throat> so that's something we're going to have to overcome where we think that it feels odd or feels strange. Uh, but once we do it, it, it will open up an entire entire vistas uh, of spiritual opportunity, and also, uh, for us, uh, likelihood that we'll feel that the prayer is answered to more or less degrees. Uh, but it's, it's, it's the fastest and easiest way to develop a, a, a deep, a emotional, personal bond with the Almighty. The Almighty is our Father. We say, Avinu Malkin, our Father, our King. The Almighty is a billionaire dad. Imagine your dad was a billionaire. What would you do? You would say, <clears throat> "I need uh, need need some money here, you know, pay for the uh, gas money, right?" That's what you would say. The Almighty's a billionaire. What, the, what the, what's a million dollars to the Almighty? It's nothing. It's it's not even chump change. It's nothing. If the Almighty could create the entire world and 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 all the uh, you know the three hundred million cells that you lost today, every day you lose three hundred million cells. Every cell is a technological marvel that rivals anything that humans could possibly even dream of. And you lost 300 billion of them today. Like that. But they're 
they were regenerated, <laughs> thankfully. But, you know. but our brain cells, because we forget that, forget everything. If your brain cells were regenerated, then you would forget everything. But the rest of your body, regenerated. Ta-da, like magic. You're a different person than you were fifty, uh, you know, five years ago. Why? Because all your cells have been filtered out. New cells come in. They might figure that all out. He can figure out a way to take care of you. Trust me. Right? But he wants to do it via the prayer. He wants to give you everything in the world, but he wants you to ask for it. Why? Because he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to ask. He wants. What does the billionaire dad do? I remember this this great Warren Buffett quote. How much money are you giving to your kids? Who knows that? You guys know that these two financial advisors. They they they. No, he has a great. There's a great uh, Warren Buffett quote. How much are you giving to your kids? Dan, you're the Warren. I, think I, I can't remember the exact quote, but he's giving them very little. I know that a billion is not still not so little, you know. As we say, as we say in Yiddish, halavai of mirgazot, right? Like it's so, so little, but if only that would be said on me, right? Billion, whatever, billion here. That's right, that's right. So he said like this, I'm going to give the... I think there is a specific quote he said. He said like this, I'm going to give him enough to do anything, but not enough to do nothing. And what's that? That's an example of a responsible parent. The Almighty has the same attitude with us. He'll give us everything, everything that we need, but he doesn't want to have neglect. He doesn't want for us to be the unappreciative, uh, spoiled, obnoxious brats that just, you know, that that kid that gets uh, the BMW at the age of 16? Doesn't appreciate anything, you know, just 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 is, is haughty, is arrogant, is obnoxious. That's all the Almighty wants. The Almighty wants us to be humble, to have humility, and to ask for what we need, and he's very much wants to do good. Why would he do so much good if he doesn't want to do good? The answer is because he wants to do good. And he wants us to be as happy as we can. He wants us to ask for it. He wants us to pray. Uh either way. So 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 so, uh, so so that's that. Um, gosh, we have to pick up the pace here if we're going to finish here. Yeah, Dan, you were saying. Did I miss that question? I guess I did not. Y'all still hear me? Okay. There you go. Oh, I still hear you guys. Guys, I still hear you. You there? Okay. So, I want to share with you guys something that I think will uh, challenge, perhaps, or perhaps will ch- um, has the potential to challenge some of what um, our attitudes are about prayer. So, I mentioned that Maimonides writes that there's a mitzvah to pray every single day. Yeah, you remember that, guys? <laughs> That's right. However, Nachmanides, which is a different character, uh, he has a different uh, opinion, and he says that it's not a mitzvah every day, it's a mitzvah to daven in times of distress. If you're under duress, if you're in danger, if you're sick, if you need help, then there's a mitzvah to daven uh, a, a biblical mitzvah uh, to daven, what daven means to prayer, to pray. 
Uh, however, there's no there's no mitzvah to, to pray every every single day. Now, let me ask you guys a question. Nachmanides, that's right. He was the one that did the dissertation. That's correct. That's correct. That's correct. So let me ask you guys a question. What do you say about the kid who only calls his dad when he needs money? Right? Oh, you're calling me. Oh, what do you need? Is that the right way to do it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's that. That doesn't seem right. It seems like a, like a Johnny come lately, right? Oh, you need stuff. That's when you come talk to God. But we don't need stuff. You don't talk to God. Right? That seems like a legitimate question. Doesn't seem doesn't seem to make sense that the prayer should be done only in a time where you need it. You should pray even when you don't need it. Is that a fair question? Or, or it, it's a natural tendency to pray to God when you are in distress. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. I think this 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 idea ushers in what I call I think maybe the most important principle of prayer, or at least the the gateway principle of prayer. We believe, I think, uh, I think that's what the uh, sentiment was, that if someone only prays to God when they need it, there's something wrong about that. Why do we think so? Because we mistakenly think that we're praying for God. We're not praying for God. God does not need our prayers. Uh, This is a departure from our analogy of God being a father. The father does need to have the relationship with the child. Here, God wants, because God wants what's best for us, but God essentially does not need that. We are not praying for God. We are praying for us. We're praying for us. So when we think, oh, I have to come and the Yom Kippur services is so long, but I'll do it for God. You're making a mistake, a total mistake. You're not praying for God. God doesn't need your prayers. I can assure you God is, like we know, God, the definition of God is that static, you can't change, can't improve, can't regress, nothing uh, to God, uh, essentially, uh, uh, is changed with the prayer. It doesn't have his ego being stroked. Not, no, absolutely not. We're praying for ourselves. Thus, uh, thus, it could make more sense to us the idea of, well, when you need it, you pray. It, it, it's, it's like an incredible tool. It's like it, it, it's a tool that you need when you need it, and when you don't need it, okay, maybe you don't need it. And maybe then you don't need to pray, at least according to, the, to, to Nachmanides. Because it's it's for us, and it's a tool that we have a direct line that red telephone that we have with the Almighty, and when we need it, we grab it, we 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 uh, we use it, and perhaps Maimonides, who says uh, that you you have to pray every day, perhaps he he's essentially agreed with Nachmanides in principle. Prayer is for ourselves. 
However, like Janet says, we need prayer every day. Every day we need it because every day we have so many things that potentially go wrong. You know, our heart's beating, you know, 85,000 times a day. It takes five minutes off. We're dead, you know? And what ensures that we stay alive? You know, what ensures that, you know, we could die so much so easily. Something needs to go wrong. Uh, and we have a tiny blood clot that's going to kill us. And, uh, you know, the vast network of, of, of pipes and, and uh, arteries and veins and whatnot uh, that we have within ourselves, it's so easy for something to go wrong. You know, if you just take the scale, like, is it possible that there'll be a, a, you know, a traffic accident in the United States today? What do you say? Is it possible? It's very likely. If there's a traffic accident, if there's a buildup in the network that's within every one of our bodies, that is much more vast than the entire uh, roadwork of, of the United States, we're dead. Every day we need the Almighty. Every day we're, we're vacillating precariously between life and death, really, you know, if you were to zoom out. Thankfully, the Almighty keeps us alive and sustains us uh, with mercy. But perhaps every day we, we, we need God, and that's why the, 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 the sages, uh, um, or Maimonides at least, understands that the prayer has to be every day. But either way, regardless, prayer is for us, not for God. If you think you're doing God a favor, you know what? God was really good. It was a good year. It's now tax season, right? It was a really good year. I'll give God, I'll throw God a bone, you know? I'll throw God, you know, you throw your dog a bone, you know, God doesn't need, God doesn't need, God doesn't need your, your bones. That's a very important mistake. Don't think you're praying for God. You're praying for you. You're praying for you. How are you praying for you? Right? What are you going to, uh, to, to achieve? So this is, I think, um, also another core point. We are, when we pray, like we mentioned, we have a, we have a relationship with God. We have the opportunity to achieve whatever tremendous goal that we want to achieve, but also prayer is the best way to build our faith. We live in a world where God is not visible. That's what we said. This is a broken world. That's why it needs fixing. It needs to cool along. Right? You look around and you see just the physical world and you see someone who has it good, and, well, they're, they're really clever in business. Or you see someone that has it bad or sick, well, they got cancer, just randomly. It can happen to anyone. Or You know, we don't, we, we, we're so quick to attribute what happens to us and the entire world to things, to factors other than God. What happens when we pray? That entire perspective is flipped on its head. Suddenly, what we say God, give us prosperity. Whoa, what does that do? What does that, uh, what is that, what is that, what does that do to us? That makes me suddenly think, whoa, I'm asking God for prosperity? I thought my boss is the one who pays my salary, right? Oh, I, I, I thought my business is what's giving me prosperity. Well, suddenly God, what's God to do with this? Yeah, I didn't see God in the office. He wasn't anywhere on the, uh, you know, on the, uh, on the SEC filings. Nowhere. And then suddenly you open up the prayer book and you say, whoa, this God is partaking in this. And that's a way to fix the world, to change it, to make you suddenly realize, oh, God's here. God's playing a part. Uh, I'm sick. I go to God. Uh, give, me, give, me, give me forgiveness. 
Oh, or necrophagus. Give me a healing. What do you mean? Did he, did God go to medical school? Uh, you know, which hospital is this? We are so used to living in the world where God is not, God is relegated to the synagogue. God is relegated to this idea that we check the box off. You know, we're not atheists. Oh no, I would never vote for an atheist. No, we have to have strong Judeo-Christian values in the White House, right? Very, very important to talk about family. That's what, that's unfortunately what God is in our lives. You open up the prayer books and suddenly, no, God is our health, God is our happiness, God is our marriages, God is our, God is, God is our uh, financial success, everything is God. And there is no more effective uh, uh, faith uh, booster or faith builder even uh, than prayer. Because when you take prayer seriously, and I would advise, we'll get this at the end, I have a few action items maybe we could uh, try to work on this week. Um, you realize, or 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 you 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 live, you demonstrate that God is the one who is making all the decisions, and suddenly that is a radical change. And you know, perhaps if you really think about it, you could integrate the idea into your life, and you could slowly fix your personal world and fix the world in the, in a small measure as well. Because suddenly, you know, there's another factor, and that's that's God. Yeah, it doesn't mean that we're not part of the, of the discussion. We're partners with God, of course. However, it opens up this new idea. Suddenly, the, you know, there's a there's, you know there, there, there's a new perspective on everything. And when you go to God and say, "I want to have my class go well," and I want to, have, I'm driving now to, I don't know, I'm driving to New York. Let me not get any tickets. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm about to go to the job interview. Let it go well, right? You talk to God verbally. You want it to be as real as possible. Right? Even audibly, in English. Real, you're talking to your friend. As if you're talking to a friend. You're talking to the president. You have a direct line. Make it real. Make it tangible. And suddenly, like every part of your life, small to big, is your involved with God. And on the highest levels, you're talking to God hundreds of times a day. You know why? Because anything that you need, any micro-challenge that you have in your life, it's not just me. It's the Almighty. You know, like if, if you're in Central Park, this may or may not have happened this week. You're in Central Park and you really need to use the restroom. And you've been eating a lot of matzah. And uh, you look at the map and you're far away from the bathroom, right? And you don't you know when you get there what the condition of the situation might be. And you're walking as fast as you could get there, right? You know, you're in a little bit of a moment of, you know, need. And what do you do? Well, you talk to God and say, God, let me make sure I get there safely and let, you know, let, let this work out. I've heard some bad things about the public bathrooms in New York City. You know, uh, that's the attitude of someone who has faith because suddenly it's not just the surface, the physical, what you could see, the material, you know, the factors that a human in a broken world sees, it's a human in a fixed world. And and even small things, tiny little things, it doesn't matter the scale. You know, unfortunately we say, if someone has cancer, let's pray, let's pray. Uh, Or if someone is unemployed, let's pray. What about if someone, uh, any one of a million little things that we do in 
you know, the course of our day, if we have to make a, a, a tough phone call, you know, or, or if, if we're running late to work, you know, God is to be involved with us on every level, you know, and that radically alters the perspective that we have on faith. It makes it from an idea, from a theoretical precept that we believe, yes, hopefully we have evidence to as well. Okay, fantastic. But it makes it real. It integrates it. We talked about tefillin. Tefillin is the idea of taking that step two. There's step number one. You have faith. Wonderful. Terrific. You're not an atheist. Hooray. That's terrific. Right? Okay. Step number two, integrate that into your life. Fix the world. Fix the small world. Fix the big world. Live as a different person because of this faith. How do you do that? Prayer goes a long way, uh, a long way in, in, in making that happen. When you pray, you demonstrate God is involved. When you pray in English, even better. When you pray throughout the day, fantastic. I, I, I tell my kids all the time, I was listening to a, a class that I gave on my website, ravelopen.com, uh, uh, on prayer. Um, I gave it two and a half years ago. So I was listening to it uh, uh, last night to, to prepare the class. So I mentioned that the previous night, uh, my son Akiva, my oldest son, he uh, he was in his. Uh, he told me he woke up in the middle of the night and told me, said to me, Abba, I had a terrible, I had a scary dream. What was your dream?" So he's on the bottom of a bunk bed. The dream was the bunk bed collapsed on him. Okay, so I told him. I said, "Akiva, talk to the Almighty, talk to Hashem, and say, Hashem, please make sure." That the bunker doesn't collapse on me, and 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 that watch over you know me and my brother and my sister and my parents and the Jewish people and in the world and let good things happen. To and you, I, I, you know, you try to train them to have God be a part of your uh, of their lives. You know, that's the attitude. I'm not trying to say that. Oh, look at me. I'm, I'm you know the best thing since sliced the. Uh, Slice matzah, but uh, but you know that's what I heard in the class. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it's a, it's an it's an important it's an important I- ideal. You know, it's where God is not just something that's relegated to the sanctuary. It's part of our lives, and that is where it's most effective in 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 achieving uh, this uh, this end uh, that we that we really need in uh, in fixing the world, in in building our faith, in 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 transforming. The, the spiritual reality of God into being as real in our perspectives uh, as, uh, as, um, as the physical world around us. Additionally, prayer, as we said, prayer will transform us, our, our faith. It will enti- change our entire lives. We talk about prayer, prayer upholding the world. This is one of the spiritual beams that supports the entire world. Prayer. Additionally, prayer is very humbling. God wants us to have everything we need, but we mentioned God doesn't want us to be the unappreciative, ungracious, obnoxious brats that just get whatever they want without asking. Right? You get it and you don't value it. God wants us to have the humility. God wants us to value what we get. God wants us to ask for it. Prayer is always going to be about man subjecting themselves, subjugating themselves, lowering themselves, humbling themselves in front of the Almighty. You know, there's a great episode in, 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 uh, in, in Genesis wherein Isaac and Rebekah are barren. 
And what do they do? They start praying. They want to have a child. So they pray. So Isaac prays in one corner and Rebecca prays in another corner. This is in the, uh, it's in the sixth section, right at the beginning of the sixth section, Parsha's Toldos in Genesis. So what happens? They're each praying and they get answered and they have twins, twins Isaac and, uh, I'm sorry, Jacob and Esau, Jacob and Esau, uh, Yaakov and Esau. So the verse says that the Almighty heeded Isaac's prayer. They both prayed, and the Almighty responded favorably to Isaac's prayer. Why Isaac, not Rebecca? So Rashi quotes the Talmud, as the Talmud says, She'eno domet Russia. It's incomparable, the prayer of a righteous person, the son of a righteous person, to the prayer of a righteous person, the son of a wicked person. Isaac's dad uh, was Abraham. So Isaac is righteous, son of a righteous person. Rebecca, she's very righteous, but her dad was Besuel, who tried to uh, uh, tried to assassinate Eliezer. Pretty terrible guy. Therefore, Isaac's prayer was heeded and not Rebecca's prayer. Okay, so that's that's what it says. Now, simply uh, simply put, that just means that okay, so he's he has a holy you know holy uh, antecedents. Fantastic. Therefore, his prayer is more effective. That's obviously the simple way to understand it. On a deeper level, this, this idea I heard from my grandfather, prayer is about humility. Prayer is about saying, me, I'm nothing. The world, nothing. The Almighty is the one making the decisions. Our contribution to the world or, or to the happenings of the world. Humility means to humble yourself. Now, if your dad is Donald Trump, is it easier or harder for you to humble yourself? Much harder, right? Now, if your dad is some clown, right? If your dad is you know some dude, some vagabond, you don't have that uh, that same you know uh, elitism. Well, then humility is probably a lot easier. Thus, explains my grandfather, Abraham and Isaac. So, Isaac grew up in a house of royalty. Abraham is my dad. Look at me. We're the, we're the family that's changing the world. Look at my dad. Yet, Abraham, Isaac was able to achieve the level of humility necessary for prayer. Rebecca achieved that same level of humility. However, for her, it was easier because her dad was wicked. Thus, Isaac's prayer is more effective. Because Isaac's prayer was harder to come by. Isaac had to work harder to achieve that great level of pleasure, of, of prayer. Because him, his dad was righteous. Therefore, for him, it was harder to achieve it. Therefore, his prayer is more potent. And this is in line with the principle that the harder it is to do something, the more spiritual power it has. You know, for someone to like me, to wear tefillin every day. Well, I've worn every, tefillin every day since my bar mitzvah. So for me, it's, it's, it's axiomatic. It's, it's, it's rote. For me, I, I probably get very, very minimal reward or spiritual energy from, from wearing tefillin. 
because to me, I would, you know, I, 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 I you know, I could do it in my sleep. You know, I, you know, it's not a big deal for me. And, and to me, I would feel like such a shade. I would feel so bad if, uh, if I didn't wear it filling, you know, I, I, you know, so what value does it have? But for someone who's struggling with the mitzvah or someone who's, they're so busy and they don't work filling it often, but they put the effort and they work hard, and they do it and they invest and they, and they isolate their mind and they pray and it's hard for them. Well, that's a, a tremendous power. That's way more powerful than the pile. The, the, if you were to take all the all the tefillin that I've had and pile them up into one box, it probably doesn't reach uh, the level of one prayer where it's done uh, 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 under duress and uh, in stress. The Talmud says one unit of Torah of mitzvahs bitzar in pain with difficulty is greater than a hundred. Easy ones. If it's easy, it does not have the same potency as if it's hard. Thus, Isaac wasn't easy for him, right? It was much harder for him uh, to achieve that level of humility. Therefore, it was more powerful. Therefore, they might listen to his to, to his prayer. Thus, part of our work that we're going to do in the prayer is humbling ourselves. And the the harder it is for us to humble, we should know the more powerful our prayer is. Uh, a pretty remarkable uh, idea. Uh, one more thing before we get one more one more uh, point in the uh, in the uh, uh, kind of the philosophy of prayer before we get into more of the practical of prayer. Um, we mentioned that we pray uh, in order to be close to God or to have this relationship with God. Uh, there's an analogy or or, or an idea. The serpent. So, if you remember the serpent in the Genesis story, uh, his punishment was that he has to eat dirt. Now, remember that he's going to go in his belly and eat dirt. Now, let me ask you a question: If I told you that your food, your sustenance, would be so ubiquitous, literally everywhere on the planet that you are, there's just mountains of it everywhere. Would that be a blessing or a curse? If I told you the floor under you was acres of pizza, <laughs> you know that seems to be a blessing, right? Just you, you know, you tread on steak everywhere. That that doesn't seem like it's <laughs> that doesn't seem so bad. Yeah, the Garden of Eden story, right? It seems like it's not so bad, right? But the answer is that it's better for us to not have it, but have the relationship. The, the, the punishment of the serpent was that, yes, of course he has everything, but God's not interested in him. Take it. Get out of my face. I'm not interested in you. Right? Wherever you want, you have, you, have, you, have, you have sustenance, but you don't have what's much greater, and that's the relationship. Prayer is us seizing that relationship uh, and asking God for what we need. Okay, that's the, uh, uh, that's the uh, uh, philosophical elements of prayer. So we mentioned, just to quickly review, before we get into this, kind of the practical elements of prayer as well. We said we pray um, to achieve faith, to change our perspective on uh, on what's real, what really contributes to what happens to us. Without a prayer being uh, an exercise in humility, prayer to have a relationship with God, not to be obnoxious, uh, and the importance of of praying relentlessly uh, because prayers are sometimes cumulative, and the power of prayer is uh, so powerful that it can even change the world uh, radically, uh, even e- even deleteriously. 
Okay, so let's 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 talk about some things that I've experienced. I uh, there's a guy in yeshiva, one of my yeshivas, many years ago. Uh, when uh, whenever we pray, whenever there was prayer in yeshiva, so I spoke to him three times a day. He would pull out a tie. <coughs> For a high school kid in a yeshiva high school, that's not like a prep school where everyone wears ties. He pulls out a tie. I always thought it was bizarre. So I said, well, I, I walked over to him. I said to him, uh, why are you wearing a tie? Like, why would you put on a tie? So he told me, um, he told me very powerfully, he says, listen, if you were going to talk to the president, if you had a meeting with the president, you, 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 would, you, would you wear a tie? Of course you would. Would you take it seriously? Of course you would. You're talking to the almighty God. No checks and balances. Right? And, and no, no term limits, right? And and no 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 geographic and ter- territorial restrictions. And this is the Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. You wouldn't wear a tie when you're going to talk to God. I remember he told me this uh, must have been uh, uh, fifteen years ago or six, 14 years ago, and, and it's such a powerful idea. And, and and you know, if you think about it, we just describe prayer as, as talking to God. And the goal that we have to do in, 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 in uh, or the objective is to make it as real as possible. I'm not saying I want you to wear ties. That wasn't my point. My point is the idea of the realization that we have the ability to talk to God. I, I once heard this other analogy. So imagine you live in uh, uh, Iowa or uh, New Hampshire or Nebraska or one of those states that uh, only appear on the national uh, uh, stage during election season and, and football season, college football season that is, uh, and you wake up one morning and there's a big pothole in front of your uh, your driveway. So you call up the municipality, you call up the mayor, you, nothing works. Right? You call and call and call and no one fixes the pothole. Right? You pay your taxes, they don't fix it. Right? A taxation without the, I guess, I know, but I'm trying to think of another word here, not representation, without pothole fixing. <laughs> Without transportation, <laughs> so <laughs> efficiency. Um, we still have, by the way, uh, uh, you know, in New York, the uh, sanitation department is still controlled by uh, by the unions, so they don't have like they have actual humans coming here like twice a week to pick up the garbage by hand, like the way it was done in the in the seventeenth century. Either way, so. You have this big pothole, and nothing that you do, none of the regular channels seem to work. One day, you're fed up, and you pick up the phone, and you call the White House. And lo and behold, the president picks up, and you tell him what's wrong, and the next morning you wake up, and there's teams of engineers, and they're fixing the pothole perfectly. Oh, fantastic. That's what prayer is. Prayer is even your smallest needs can be addressed by the most powerful office in the land, right? Even the potholes that, I'll get to you in a second, Noel. Even the potholes that ought to be taken care of by the municipality, by the, the local local government, you, you just go straight, cut, cut through all the minimum and go straight to the, uh, to the boss. Go ahead. Yes, that's a that's a that's a very a very um, 
very high level, I would say. Uh, I, and, and I think it's very popular with the Christians, right? Oh, pray for your enemies. Um, I, listen, I, I, I think that this would be something that um, it's probably not so easy to do, to pray for your enemies. Uh, if you someone could do that, uh, maybe. Um, we don't, in Judaism, we don't condone evil. Ever. We're, never, we're not okay with evil. Uh, so the idea of praying for Hamas or pay, praying for those bombs and uh, those nuclear bombs in uh, Iran, uh, we don't do that. But praying for people that, let's say, praying for the wicked, I think that's a very noble pursuit. Um, but they the, would turn from their wives, right? Oh, yeah. You know, praying for the Jewish people, praying for your community, praying for your synagogue, praying for your family. Uh, but, if, but on top of that, pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. Let's think about prayer. You know, you know, if we think about prayer as being more than just uh, an, an exercise, but an entirely new spiritual world for yourself. Well, pray for yourself. Uh, but I will. I will note. Are we, am I still there? Am I still alive? Yeah. I will note that the Talmud does say. That if you pray for someone else that needs the same thing that you need, you will be answered first. Now, this is a uh, a lot of people know this, but don't really actually know it. You know, there are people who mistakenly think, you know, what I'll pray for you, you'll pray for me, and that way I'll get taken care of. Not what it says in the Talmud. The Talmud, I believe, it's in Yevamo sixty-four a. When I pray for someone else, I will be answered first. When I am not selfish and pray for myself alone, I pray for others as well, then my prayer has greater power. doesn't mean that I neglect praying for myself. It means that I also pray for others as well. So if I pray, let's say I, I need success in, uh, in business. And I see my neighbor needs success in business as well. I don't just pray for myself, I pray for them as well, I'll be answered first. Which means probably I'll be answered expeditiously. Uh, but it doesn't mean that I can just say, you know what, I'll pray for him, he'll pray for me, we'll, 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 you know, we'll call it a deal. Uh, neglecting to pray for us. Unfortunately, people, some people misinterpret that Talmudic statement as uh, meaning that I don't need to pray for myself, I'll pray for others, they'll pray for me, that's not what it means. It means when I pray for others as well, my prayers for myself have greater power. Uh, okay, so uh, so we're the Almighty's children. Yes, go ahead. In, the, uh, in our center, most of the prayers have to do with praising God, and they're really not for ourselves. I mean, maybe that is for ourselves, but I mean, we're not asking for things. Absolutely. Well, you um, and we have in the in the when we talk about prayer uh, in the formalized prayer, we're talking primarily about the Amida prayer, Amida service. Amida is structured uh, in three sections. There's the uh, first part, which is Shvach, which means praise. Praise the Almighty. The last part is giving thanks, appreciation. 
gratitude. And the middle part is actual bakasha, which means requests. It's broken down as, it's 19 blessings, 3, 13, and 3. So, and those cover everything. Those cover, uh, those, uh, those cover um, everything from atonement to prosperity to health uh, uh, to, uh, you know, rebuilding the temple. And then there's one just ad-lib, like, just give me whatever I need. Hear my voice when we cry out. Uh Yes, but, the, but when we talk about, um, there are other things that were added to this sidur, uh, but the core, the word prayer, the word tefillah, uh, in the classical sense, refers to that element of prayer, uh, where is man asking for the request, but it's bookended, there's a format to it as well. <clears throat> but what we're talking about supersedes the sitter. It, it, it's prayer in general. It's prayer for man asking God what we want, what we need uh, in our lives. Uh, and that is something that we ought not, ought, ought not uh, you know, uh, we shouldn't just think of it as a spiritual exercise. It, it, it should be much more than that. It's us asking God for what we need. It's asking the president. And you know what? How does the guy in Iowa have the direct line to the, to the president? The answer is because he's his children. You know, our relationship... Uh, uh, we're the president's children. I don't know if that's a movie or anything like that, but uh, uh, or that's maybe all the president's men. We're the president's children, right? We are people that have the opportunity to talk to the president. Uh, we could pick up the phone, leave the phone, stay in an empty room and just talk to God. In our car, talk to God. God hears us, and that's, uh, that, and, and that's, and that's, and that's a prayer. Uh, now, power of prayer, as we mentioned already once, is uh, so um, potent that it could do things that even were not net meant to happen, unnatural things. Uh, the Talmud tells us that Abraham and Isaac were sterile. Not only that, Sarah and Rebecca did not have uteruses. Like, these were women that were designed to not be able to have children, physiologically. The Talmud does mention that that was by design, which is, uh, uh, I put it at the end here as extra credit, maybe we'll get to it. Um, yet they prayed, and they prayed profusively, and they had they had children. And I think the lesson, the reason why the Talmud tells us, is because there's a lesson behind it. Prayer has the power to change things, to to it, it, not just to make things go smoothly, but to literally change what is uh, designed to uh, to happen. Isaac was not designed to have children. He wasn't. He had children. How did he have children? Via the prayer. Abraham as well. Sarah as well. Etc. Etc. So that, that that's idea number one. Uh, the Talmud also compares prayer to a pitchfork. It says, uh, it, it says that uh, you take a pitchfork, takes the uh, takes the uh, dig it into the into the grain, you flip it over. Pa- uh, uh, prayer has the power to take. The Almighty's uh, 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 treatment of us from one to another, from flip, flip it. If God says, I want you not to have children, I'm going to design you that you're sterile. God forbid, right? Okay, you're like this. Comes along the prayer, ah, you're like that. Okay, it's different. Different world out there, different realities. Prayer could change our realities. Uh, another example of this, we find um, what seems to be a contradiction in the Talmud. 
we find uh, in one location, I might have mentioned this, I, I believe I mentioned this in a class maybe a year ago. In one location of the Talmud, it says that, a, uh, that before a child is born, it is determined whether or not they'll be wealthy or poor. Remember I mentioned this, guys? Before someone's born, it's determined whether they'll be wealthy or poor, whether they'll be intelligent or wise, or maybe not, not so intelligent. That's one location in Talmud. In another location in Talmud, it's to ask the question, what should a person do and become wealthy? And it answers, what do you do to become wealthy? Well, do a lot of business. What do you mean? A lot of people did do a lot of business, but they don't become wealthy. Okay, well then ask, ask, uh, ask from he who has all the money. Who's that? That's the Almighty. The Almighty is the billionaire. So why does it say do business? You got to do both. Okay, that's the Talmud. The Talmud says, you want to become wealthy? Okay, well, well, what's the formula? What do you got to do? Two things. A lot of commerce and prayer. Wait a minute. You told me that it was really determined before someone was born whether or not they'll be wealthy or poor. So why uh, here it's saying, no, it's not determined. It's in our hands. Perhaps the answer is that yes, some people, it may be that naturally they're not designed uh, uh, to be poor or to, to, be, to be wealthy. However, the power of prayer is to change what is the design. You may have been designed one way. Now it's time to change. Let's break the mold with the prayer. Let's create a new reality that didn't exist prior. You were designed to be poor. However, via hard work and prayer and the Almighty chipping in, you can become wealthy. That's another example of the power of prayer. It could change what happens to a person. Um, you know, I think that uh, if we are to expand our, um, if we're to expand our scope of prayer, if we're to pray, uh, like we mentioned, not necessarily with a siddur, not necessarily in an organized communal fashion with special clothing, etc. Rather, we pray all the time. We ad lib. We talk to God in, in English. We, you know. What we essentially do, or we could do, is to outsource all of our troubles unto the Almighty. We're able to, you know, we can be stressed from a million different things in our lives, in our family lives, in our professional lives, in our health. So many themes that, uh, you know, that it's it's just amazing how, you know, we all get so stressed with all of these backaches, you know. We get backaches because we're so super stressed. And what happens? Everything that we have, we say, okay, let's talk, let, 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 let me discuss it with the Almighty. You know, let's, let's talk it over with God. You know, we're offloading all our troubles on the Almighty. As the verse says in Psalms, cast upon the Almighty your troubles and he will support you. He will sustain you. It's remarkable what we could do. Suddenly, we're not alone. We're not living lives and suffering and, 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 and deal with all the challenges that come our way every day. We have, a, we have a place to go to. We have the ability to talk to. We have the ability to cast off our own shoulders, our troubles, right? Take our troubles and cast off our own puny shoulders. The Almighty has much broader shoulders than we do. Okay? Let him also be involved in your struggles. You don't have to be alone. 
I think that's a remarkable idea. Uh, but we find examples in the Torah where uh, someone wants to get married, right? So uh, Isaac needs a spouse. They send Eliezer. What does he do? He goes and he prays. Right? Well, first he goes and he sits there by the uh, he sits by the by the well, and he, then he starts praying. He starts praying. Why? Because what do you do from the Torah's perspective when you see you need a spouse? You pray. Jacob, a little bit later on in Genesis, Jacob is about to confront his brother. He's worried about the war. What does he do? Well, he prepares for war. He splits the group into two into two camps, but he prays as well. The Torah is trying to show us that prayer is not rigid. It's not about one idea, one entity, one one situation. You know, it's about taking your troubles and sharing them with God, preparing for them with God offloading them onto God's shoulders. Uh, I think uh, we talk about parenting and, and how much, uh, uh, I guess stress is probably a good word, but, you know, maybe discomfort? No. Uh, how much troubles we can have as parents? You know, The Almighty is also a partner in our child. The Talmud says there's three partners in every child. Father, the mother, the Almighty. We have to make sure that we get him involved as well. He's the third entity in this. You know, this now in England, there's a big, a big uh, medical uh, uh, achievement or accomplishment where they have now two mothers because they took the they took one one woman's egg and they took the other woman's egg. You know, that's what it's so who's the mother, whatever. You know, <laughs> Bernie's nodding. Uh, but that's what it's like, you know. The Imani is, is is one of the is one of the parents, and he should be part of, part of it. Parenting is about prayer as well. Uh, I'm going to skip a little bit here because I see we're, uh, we're 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 almost done here for time. I want to uh, share another cool, a couple cool ideas. Uh, <clears throat> The Midrash tells us that there's ten different words used for prayer. So I always uh, say that this is like the you know the Eskimos have ten different seven different words for snow. Uh, we're talking now about a very basic level of prayer, basic uh, exposition on prayer, what prayer is, and how do you do it. Uh, but there's a lot of nuance. There's uh, in Judaism, we have ten different words of prayer. There's so many different angles of prayer. Perhaps that could be its own class. What are the ten different layers and uh, the ten different words of prayer and ten different levels of prayer? And how do we climb the ladder and get and get these higher levels or different various levels of prayer? But either way, I think that's a, a nice idea to, to, to talk about uh, uh, the prayers uh, and kind of the different kinds of prayer, different modes of prayer, and how do you go about doing that? Uh, we find times where prayer uh, was rejected. Remember at the uh, at the splitting of the sea. So they're surrounded. The Jews surrounded all sides by the uh, they're cornered. Uh, and what what happens? Moses starts praying. What does God tell him? Don't pray. And what does that mean? It seems like there's various prayers. There's a prayer of spiritual ascension, and there's a prayer to achieve a certain goal. It's called long prayer and short prayer. There are certain times where one prayer is appropriate, not the other prayer. If someone is in direct need of help, what do you? What does they need? They need the prayer. Get stuff done. Help us now. Someone can say, "You know what? I'm talking to God. Let me talk to God. We'll call the ambulance later." 
I'm thinking that this is my time. This is my minutes with God. I, I don't give this up for anything. That's not the right attitude. Very interesting. Uh, 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 um, very interesting discussion that we could look in Exodus uh, uh, in chapter. I guess it'll be chapter nineteen or twenty. Uh, sorry, it'll be earlier, chapter like fifteen or something like that. Either way, what I want from you guys is as follows. Uh, I want. I want everyone here to try uh, over this next week, perhaps once a day, to talk to the Almighty. Now, I don't want you to do it in a way that'll be uncomfortable. So don't do it when other people are watching, because then you'll be self-conscious. Talk to the Almighty when you're alone. You're in your car by yourself. There's not so much traffic, so you don't have to worry about the people looking next to you from the next car. <laughs> you're 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 alone. Turn off the radio. Uh, turn off your phone. Turn off the, the mute the navigation. Talk to God. And you can be skeptical. Be real. Remember, what God wants is sincerity. What does a parent want from a child? They don't want them to try to pull the wool over their eyes. Be sincere. <clears throat> and you can even say to God, listen, I don't know if you hear me. Rabbi always says you hear me. I'm a little skeptical. Say that to God as well. Right? Have this conversation. Because and make it in English. And make it about what you need throughout the day. You know, you could also talk about like big, big picture issues, you know, like, you know, family issues. But also small, small picture issues. Try it. This is an exercise that perhaps more than any other will, will change your spiritual makeup. It'll change everything about faith that you have, every notion that you had, you've had of, on faith. It, it it opens the door. It's 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 that it's that telephone that we just have to pick it up and just make the phone call and we're ready in the White House. Pick up the phone. Talk to the Almighty. That's what I want. I want him to do. It's an action item. Um, let's let's try. Let's shoot for one for for once a day. Uh, um, to just talk to the Almighty. And I want it in English. I don't want any Hebrew. Okay. I don't want you breaking your teeth. Uh, bar- Baruch. I don't want none of that. English, yeah, Ber- uh, Bernie, what, what you got there? Is it the same if you're speaking to God with your voice as thinking the words without verbalizing? So we already mentioned at the beginning, at the onset, that no, I want you to speak it. doesn't have to be audible, but speak it. has to be verbal. Verbal, not not necessarily audible. Uh, it, it's better if it's audible, but let's you keep, it, keep, keep, it, keep it just verbal. Uh, and uh, like I said, you will probably feel a little weird doing it if you've never done it before. But it, this has the power of uh, of changing your life. I would say more it, it, this one thing, just this getting used to regulating yourself to to uh, to communicating with God, talking to God in English on a daily on a daily, perhaps even hourly, perhaps even you know more than that. And uh, I think this has. Tremendous, tremendous power, and and, and I and I suspect that if we do it, we'll feel it. It'll make sense for us. It won't feel as foreign as it maybe will the first time. You know, I I I felt you know with some of my just personal experiences in in my you know the in some of the harrow not harrowing but uh, in some of the most critical episodes of my life. I literally felt like the Almighty is there holding my hand and guiding me through. You know, I, 
I uh, I uh, met my wife and we dated for not so long. And thankfully, we're, we're in our ninth year of marriage and it's going wonderfully. But I was terrified that who knows what could happen? You married the wrong one? You married some? Who knows? And I took it super seriously, but I didn't feel like I was alone. I felt like, literally, I felt like the Almighty is holding my hand and guiding me along this, this process. And I would talk to God and say, yeah, of course it would be prayers. But the prayers are in Hebrew and it's with everyone else. Talking to God one-on-one in English, the most powerful and potent of, of, of the exercise that you could possibly uh, undertake. Let's try that. Let's do that. I want to show you guys also our cool, some, some cool stories. Uh, how, how, uh, how pressed are we for time here? We're good. Okay, so uh, so uh, maybe we'll do some 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 more. Uh, so prayer is uh, described in Jewish literature as a, a umanut. Umanut means a craft. Uh, talked about the Jewish people that they just. Uh, Spontaneously erupted in prayer uh, when they were facing uh, when they were facing uh, uh, challenge, and it's described as a craft of their fathers. It was it was it's a craft. So I saw yesterday my grandfather writes that a craft is something that you do and you don't need to think about it. It's, it's something that, that that's what you were trained to do. And he gave an example. He said if you take a surgeon. The wake up a surgeon in the middle of the night, you got to do a quick uh, emergency surgery. So the guy's putting on his shirt, and he's like, he walks into the operating room, right? He rubs it, right? And like that, he gets snaps right into it. And he's just working, and he's half sleeping, but he's working, and he doesn't need any help. That's what a craft is. A craft is muscle memory. Craft is something you do, and you're trained to do it, and you're and and you're ready to do it, and you know how to do it, and you don't need instructions, and you don't need guidance. That's what prayer is for the Jewish people. That's what we got for the rites. And then he says he heard a story. Some guy told him that he was on a uh, during the uh, War of Independence in 1948 in Israel. Uh, so he uh, there was a student of his, and the student uh, was on a boat. And the boat was uh, like a, a mix. Uh, he said it was an eclectic mix of soldiers, but also mapam. Um, uh, he called mapamniks, which is Haganah people. Um, and he says he was the only religious guy on the on the boat. And a torpedo hit the boat, and they start calling out for help, and they're doing the main day and the whatnot. And the help's coming, but the boat's sinking. And it's getting lower and lower, and they start freaking out. I was freaking out. And he says, suddenly, everyone started praying. Everyone started screaming, Almighty, help us. And like, these are people that weren't religious at all. In fact, the early Zionists were very anti-religious. And suddenly, what happens? So he, so he says, this is it. This is the language of the Jewish soul. The language of the Jewish soul, deep, deep within us, we feel very, very comfortable talking to God. Very comfortable. However, we have multiple layers of resistance to this idea. We don't feel, uh, on a surface level, our body is not at all in harmony with talking to something that doesn't, you know, you, you, can't, you can't see the Almighty. Uh, yeah, does the Almighty really hear me? I don't see Him, you know? 
That is our body's reaction. But our soul feels very, very natural. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, it feels very comfortable in that kind of setting. And I, 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 I suspect that we'll find that when we do this, after we get over our initial hang-ups, uh, we'll find that it's actually something you know that's quite natural. It's something. It's a craft that we've been trained, even though we don't know about it. We've been trained uh, to do this uh, by the very nature of uh, of our uh, of our soul of our uh, of our soul and the language of our soul, uh, which is the language uh, of prayer. Uh, so that's uh, an interesting idea. Now, what? Maybe we'll uh, we could stop here. We have some more stuff if you guys want. Uh, you know, in the uh, in the formalized prayers. So, uh, you know, my uh, I once did the math. Uh, what is the most common word in the prayer? What's the word that we're saying the most? Huh? Well, Vayomer is the Torah, baby. Uh, I say maybe Baruch, maybe maybe the name of the Almighty. But then I did the math thirty-four times over those nineteen blessings. We say the word Ata. The word Ata means you. And I think this kind of hammers home the whole idea. We are talking to God, first person, you. You do this for me. You do this for me. I'm asking you. I'm asking you. You're the one who gives health. Please give me health. Blessed are you, Hashem, who gives health. It's it's a, an incredibly intimate, personal relationship that we can have with the Almighty. So that's 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 our homework, guys. This week, I want everyone. I'm not going to compel them to do it, and maybe next week when we get together, maybe we'll see if if someone wants to share how it went. Then maybe maybe we could do that. Uh, but obviously no pressure, and it's not binding. But I think perhaps it's worth a shot uh, to try. Talking to God, not in the sanctuary, not in Hebrew, not while wearing uh, any specialized clothing or speaking a specialized language. Talking to God in English. All of us seem to be fairly uh, proficient in conversational English. Talk to God in English. Speak to them as you would speak to your friend. Ask him for what you need. Share with him your troubles. Offload the challenges of your day-to-day life. Talk to God. This will do more than anything to build uh, to build your own uh, uh, spiritual profile. So that, that's the idea, guys. Uh, let's question. question. Shoot. Familiar with, uh, <coughs> the word you. Is there a formal and a familiar to say? Uh, like in in Spanish. Uh, I don't think there is a. I think I think it's just it's just you. Uh, okay. Any other questions? Hey guys, thank you. And I once again I apologize for the uh, technological snafus, but I think they were brief. Okay, I'll see you guys next week. Okay, stay strong, guys. Thank you.